composing the mind, bringing it, your attention to the here and now, the Pachamanantama. Like collecting the wandering mind and bits and pieces scattered here and there, you bring bring your attention to the present moment. So that's done through awareness, through just noticing, say, the general mood you're in, whatever it might be, the body the posture, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whatever, this is the sitting posture right now. The breath, all that is present here and now, you know, so it's like grounding yourself. The the, pot, the breath and the body are, are rather neutral objects. So they're, they're kind of focuses that help to establish this sense of presence. <clears throat> Where the mood, you know, can be um, highly charged or confused or uncertain, doubtful, whatever... So we get carried away by our reactions to, say, the, the emotional state, the mood that we're in at the present. <clears throat> but sometimes you can just go directly, you know, when you, when you begin to trust yourself with awareness, then you, you can just observe, you know, if your mood's scattered or composed, if you feel calm or excited or doubtful, skeptical, uncertain, frightened, angry, whatever. So that the mood is is also a, a satipatthana, a foundation of mindfulness. And like in Jitanupasana, satipatthana, the third foundation of mindfulness. And uh, Lumpachar used to, we did a lot of this. It wasn't particularly formalized practice, but it was always this kind of know yourself, know the mood you're in. And in uh, Thai, the, the Thai word for uh, mental object or the object is arom, which is a Thai uh, version of aramana, the Pali aramana. So the the puto and the, the Buddha knows the aramana or the arom or the state of mind. So it you can you know whatever word you feel expansive or contracted, happy or sad, whatever because moods are changeable. And sometimes we, you know, there we can be in a in a scattered mood. It's where the mind's all over the place. And if we have, a, if our intention for meditation is to get rid of that scattered feeling because we don't like it, and 
then we start resisting it, kind of force, you know, concentration, and uh, and then the uh, but the mood is is uh, it has been kind of repressed or denied. So I find uh, it quite helpful in my, in my own experience is to notice, is to observe when I first uh, they come in, sit down ask myself what kind of mental quality am I experiencing now, just to put it in that position of anaramana. And so, is it so easy to identify with the mood we're in? Uh, I mean, this is what the self is all about, the ego. You know, I'm, I feel sad, I feel happy, I feel depressed, anxious, worried. <coughs> so the identity is strongly fixed to the aramana. So that's why this this uh, puto is uh, such a valuable reflection to put yourself into the position of the puto, the Buddha position of knowing uh, like consciousness, we're we're all conscious at this moment. I hope, <laughs> and uh, so this consciousness is, uh, you know, isn't you know it, the mood is reflected in this in consciousness. And then the awareness uh, can be bring attention to to this mood. So it gives us a perspective. We can, if if we are the mood, if I am my mood, then I can't see it anymore. I'm just caught into it. I'm bound to it. I become that mood. But once I recognize the the uh, ability to reflect on the mood. The mood becomes no longer mine, it becomes what it is. Uh, and it, and it's, it, it, and consciousness is then <coughs> a mirror for that mood and reflect, and we're observing that, like we're looking into a mirror and seeing the reflections. So that's why this this uh, this axis mundi symbol, or the still point of the turning wheel, T. S. Eliot's metaphor, and uh, the still point, eye of the storm, isn't it? Like in, in a storm, there's an eye of the storm which is still. If you get into the eye of the storm, it's 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 tranquil. And then she gets outside of that, then you're caught in the vortex of movement of that storm. So it's learning to, to remember this, because it's a, it's a, because we forget it, and so used to being caught up in the storm that we, we may not know anything else. We just kind of, 
whirling about with the moods, the feelings, the, the problems of the world. And so this awareness puts us right back into that center point. So the object then, the body is an object, and that we're, we're not looking at the body in terms of, of uh, personal evaluation, but of experience. You know, so I, I experience the body now once I, uh, you know, determine to, to observe the experience of this body sitting here, breathing, is like this. So the body is in, is, is in, is an object in consciousness. Which changes the relationship of, of the self, you know, I am my body, and uh, I am, I look like this, and, and all the, the uh, perceptions, the habits we have around identity with the physical body. And then the, the breath, you can observe the breath as an object, the mood as an object. Then when it, Tamanu Pasana Satipatthana is where you, you start using the, the Dhamma, seeing the Dukkha, suffering, the causes, cessation and pa, using those, those kind of terms, terminology of, of Dhamma. So that's why I you know, encourage you to trust this awareness. It's very ordinary and very simple. And even if you think you you can't do it, that's just another thought. You know, whatever you think you are or are not or whatever, be aware of it as a thought. You know, rather than as a position you take. <clears throat> so that's why. I, I, use, I encourage you to use this, this, uh, this basic delusion to reflect that I am an uh, unenlightened person with a lot of personal problems and uh, I need to practice in order to become enlightened in the future. But instead of binding yourself to that perception or operate, just assuming uh, and operating from that perception, get behind it. See that you're creating that perception. It's a creation that uh, that you're identified with, you're attached to. Because you can hear yourself thinking it. If you think it in, a, in an intentional way, you know you can you can be aware that that I you know when I. When I just operate from that, I am unenlightened, I need to practice in order to become enlightened. Then I, and then I'm back into samsara because that's my personality again. It's my sense of myself as identified with the five khandas. 
So that will always lead to, you know, more suffering. So this is where it's important to trust this awareness, but not trust what you think you are, you know, or the assumptions you have about yourself, or your abilities, or lack of abilities, or whatever. Because these are conditioned, what, you know, what you think you are, your identities, uh, your fears, and all this. They're conditioned. They're aramana, they're not, you know, don't let them become the, the subject for your life. So then, like getting back to pure subjectivity, this this I used to reflect on a lot. The the, the ego sense of I am Ajahn Sumedho, me and mine, and pure awareness. So I began to know the difference between the two. Because at first it's all, you know, just operating from the ego. So there's always this sense of me and mine and I am like this as the, as the uh, basis for meditation. <coughs> and then never kind of getting behind that and seeing it and recognizing I'm actually creating those perceptions. Then it's like an endless struggle with yourself and the world around you because it's uh, you're not getting to the source of the problem you you're making yourself into a problem so and, and this this act of trust then is going into where you know you, you're not you, you're not defining yourself anymore you're not creating boundaries and definitions about yourself as in, in any, or value judgments or anything like that you're recognizing this from this pure subjective ability from this point from this point here and now as we experience it through you know as we're incarnated in the in this particular form and it's conscious we're moving to that to that point of pure consciousness before you create anything into it. So this is what we mean by reflection or pawana in the Pali word, bhavana. <clears throat> then in, there's no need to claim pure subjectivity you know, so the I am process can be used, like in in uh, there's certain meditation techniques that use that intentionally, I am or who am I kind of reflections. 
because, you know, just uh, I find anyway that from this pure subjectivity, if it speaks, it says I am. You know, it doesn't, because it's from one point here and now. But I am in this context, doesn't, um, it hasn't aligned itself with any adjectives yet. Or identities is merely a statement that we create into the present. And I say, I am Ajahn Sumato. Then it becomes personal. <laughs> and I am this kind of person and so forth. And I become a personality. But I am is a, is a fair enough observation from the point of pure subjectivity. This sense of presence. And this, this eventually drops too, you know, as it, it's, uh, you know, as it, as you, you see no need to claim anything or make any statement or think even, it's, you know, to, 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 uh, say anything at all because your refuge is in knowing rather than in thinking or statements that come through, through, uh, thinking. So then uh, this is what I call like intuitive awareness. An intuitive moment is uh, this word as I use it means this ability to to receive the moment. So when we talk about intuition it's usually like a, a ability that we have to to be in the present and and pick up the various things affecting us. Uh, you know, the various conditions that we're experiencing. So sometimes intuitive people are very aware, you know, very sensitive to environment, to to uh, the moods of others. Strongly intuitive people oftentimes get very confused because they, they oftentimes pick up the 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 feelings or the moods of other people very quickly or or atmosphere or that of a place or a group but then it's not rational you know so often intuition has been quite despised I think in the west because we're so we we raise uh being rational as the kind of ultimate human achievement. But, you know, when you're being rational, you, you're no longer sensitive, are you? If you're just analyzing, criticizing, and that, this, this ability to, to, um, be logical, reasonable, is, you know, certainly praiseworthy. But as an, uh, an attachment, it, it makes us quite insensitive because uh, in themselves uh, rationality doesn't feel anything. It tends to put things in context of good, better, best, bad, worse, worst. Liking and don't like this should or that shouldn't be. So the the, the rational mind is is a critical mind, 
compares, analyzes, and and uh, puts things in categories and rates them as in terms of hierarchical uh, structure. So intuition is an identity, you know, if we're trying to, in fact, we, we, you know, it's hard to, you know, one doesn't, to find yourself. If you have a very rational mind, it's easy to define yourself. Put, put kind of rational images of yourself into your consciousness. But with intuitive, intuition, without wisdom, without the wisdom the discerning ability, then uh, being highly intuitive can be very frightening because you quite you, you know you can lose yourself in the in the mood or the atmosphere or the environment you're in. You know, like if you're with social workers or therapists or people like this, they get, you know if they if they can't, you know, it's hard to. It's easy to absorb into the mood or the the uh, emotions of a, of an, of another person. You get empathetic and 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 caught into into somebody else's mood. So this uh, this centering practice can be called centering. Also is pure subjectivity and this is where the wisdom can operate the panya so the sati panya these two words align themselves then as I've said before panya means discerning it's not it's not a critical function it's a discerning one so it knows things as they are So, good is like this, bad is like this, happy is like this, sad is like this, <laughs> confused mind is like this, concentrated mind is like this. The, the discerning and knowing that, uh, the, that, like the three characteristics, anicca, dukkanata, these are not just perceptions we apply to experience, but uh, ways of looking, seeing the changingness of conditioned phenomena gives us a perspective on it from pure subjectivity so we're not projecting holding to a view all conditions are Nietzsche and then projecting that onto experience but taking that concept of a Nietzsche and then reflecting on the experience of it that when you really uh, observe from the position of Bhutto then you can see that the whatever mood you're experiencing now as a Ramana. And it has no stability to it. Moods are ephemeral, changing.
So this is like trying to reflect, share these reflections with you uh, to encourage, you, you know, this is something what we call budget tongue, you have to do for yourself. Jitang Waiti Dapo we knew he to be experienced individually by the wise. <clears throat> so that's why, you know, even if you're grasping you, you kind of go along with everything I say, <laughs> you can't miss the point. <laughs> and that will liberate you, just believing me. But uh, you know, what I'm saying is is for reflection. It's an encouragement. Uh, Try to. But I think we need a lot of encouragement because we, you know, we we have such strong uh, sense of of separation and strong identities with the conditions that we we are having, we're experiencing. People that have very strong identities, like you notice, like being Jewish is a very strong identity, and or being gay, things like this. These are strong sense of of commitment to an identity. So, the but these are perceptions that we create in the mind. That doesn't doesn't mean we, you know, we, that there's anything wrong with those perceptions. Uh, you know, it's not di- uh, dismissing them, but noticing a, a strong identity with with a concept. Uh, we can be committed to a certain type, you know, a certain I am this type, I am a Leo in there. No, it, I am a number five. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not condemning these identities, but I'm encouraging you to put them in the proper place, you know, rather than as a position to take on life or a way of, of endlessly thinking about yourself and, and trying to understand yourself through, through concepts.
So when I, when I this pure subjectivity for me is, uh, you know, to me now it's within, within the sound of silence. The, I get to that center point. That to me is where I operate from. So the point you can't get beyond and there's a, uh, the shore that has no shore beyond it. The still point of the turning world, axis mundi. Stupas, they're always, you know, like axis mundis in a way. They're symbols. I developed a strong love for, for the form of stupas because, you know, they kind of, you look at the you know, it's on a square. You know, the square is the symbolic of the earth, the four elements, the four directions, and then it, then it, then it circle in a square, and it rises up to a point. <clears throat> so, like this, it's, it's grounded on. You know, it has a heavy base on a. You know, it's firmly established to the earth, and it and it and as it reaches to the sky, it becomes refined up to the point. So, so that that is a, a symbol, you know, of uh, that this point to be supported by this grounding, this this uh, this earth practice, touching the earth being grounded. Because if you try to just operate from the point without that grounding, then it's, uh, you know, you can't sustain it. It has nothing to, to, uh, to, no foundation. <clears throat> so see the body, your own body, as a kind of stupa, you know, or Buddha Rupa, this Buddha Rupa, he's sitting on the lotus. See, the, the lotus is a symbol for uh, morality, you know, for purity. But a lotus, you know, grows out of the, the, the muck and dirt of a bog or a pond. So it, the, you know, it, its roots are in, in the dirt. And it grows up above the the water where the fish and all the uh, creatures live, and blossoms. So the the and the lotus is beautiful wherever it is, you know. And it, when it's blossoming, then it, you know, if it's in the in a slum or in a dirty pond or in a beautiful landscape garden or whatever, its its beauty is never is never soiled. And diminished by the the things around it, <clears throat> but it is rooted into into the dirt, the, the earth element. So, like with Gayanupasana uh, Satipatthana, this this establishing awareness on the, on the posture, you know, beginning to to receive this body in the present not to ignore it and, and go into a mental state, but taking consciousness, being conscious 
and reflecting on the experience of the body its its heaviness its its uh, solidity its uh, pleasure pain its um, feelings it's you know the the uh, vedana of the body the sensations of it so you you're bringing into into consciousness not through analyzing but through recognizing the body is like this so like any like physical work uh you know walking meditation touching the earth helps to you know because there's a part of us that that doesn't want to be bothered like i you know tend to you know my t- tendency as a person was to uh, not want to be bothered with the body i'd like to get to a state where i just you know i don't even it's not it's just absent and then when it starts becoming uncomfortable and being annoyed with it <coughs> so you know because to me to my personality my body is boring it doesn't interest me it doesn't create any, you know I'm not really interested in it as a person so it just seems to be something you have to drag around from having been born <coughs> So you know deliberately intentionally is, is the the basis of meditation is the is the rupa or the the earth condition don't despise the body it's it's uh, it's a great value but it it when when we identify it and identify with it out of ignorance then it becomes uh the problem arises from that identity like vanity and all that this is, this is an age where people are so concerned about what they look like and and uh, you know having the perfect body and health and um what you wear and so <laughs> trying to make your body look like some ideal you have of of uh, you know as as given by the media you know the ideal of of what feminine beauty is or masculine beauty and then judging your own body through those perceptions manufactured through the media of course you know you're never going to win that one and even if you even if you're young and beautiful you can't sustain it very well through a lifetime <clears throat> so this this awareness of the body is is not uh, is not vanity you know and it's not judging making not not critical comments about the, your body but it's it's bringing it the body into consciousness as experience and i found this quite quite a 
insight for me to see my body as experience rather than in some kind of um, you know personal way or just being you know trying to dismiss it or you know in the in the in the in Thailand for example you do a lot they encourage a lot of asupa meditation 32 parts of the body and and then I'd you know, I can develop uh, a lot of aversion to the body. I think my body is just, you know, it's just a sack full of unbeautiful things. <laughs> but that's looking at it from a from the personal view, isn't it? That's my how my personality interprets 32 parts of the body. Actually, that's not the way it's meant to be used. It's, uh, because uh, there is so much identity and attachment to appearance and uh, it's just what one looks like and what one wants to look like and so we, you know, like vanity is very superficial it, as long as I look okay, you know on the outside beautiful hair, complexion, lovely teeth Beautiful nails, eyebrows, eyelashes, mustache, beard, <laughs> beautiful eyes, and then, uh, and then we're attracted to that, isn't it? It's part of the sexual attraction when somebody is, makes them on the surface to look very attractive very beautiful and we feel you know it arouses desire in us <clears throat> so then the, a super practice it does 32 parts of the body is to go beneath the surface you know because it's not it's not saying these things are you know not trying to make us hate our bodies but to but usually we find what's inside the body is not, we, we don't, doesn't feed vanity. You know, we don't feel vain about our kidneys or our skeletons and things like this. This does not bring up, you know, the feeling of vanity. Vanity is very much on the surface of appearance. And usually, you know, we can be quite repelled by our own blood or uh, excretions. You know, so we, you know, and, and not to mention others. You know, when you when you observe a, a corpse, or I worked uh, in the navy. I was working in surgeries sometimes, where uh, you know you see doctors cutting people open and and. Uh, you know, it's pretty, you know, you have to, you know, when I saw these on film, I first saw the, these kind of, th like amputations on colored film, I remember, and feeling sick and weak, and I was watching this, this movie of amputations, and I nearly fainted, you know, just the whole thing was, was uh, 
pretty shocking to me. But when I actually was working in the in the, in the nitty-gritty of an operation room, I didn't get sick at all because I was, you know, I couldn't afford to get sick. I had to be, you know, mindful with the present. You know, this was a matter of life and death. This wasn't a matter of me sitting in a in a chair. Ooh, oh, I can't bear it. It's, when you're forced to face reality, isn't it? Like emergencies, we're we're forced into facing the reality of that moment. When we're watching a a film. We can afford to get all sick and faint, and and because uh, it, it's not, you know, the conditions are there where that don't demand us rising up and and saving a life or stopping the blood or doing something practical. So, in in these meditations on the body, you know. Well, not to, go, to reflect on the internal organs that are that are inside this body right now. Just bring them up in consciousness, like heart, liver, kidneys, intestines, things like this. Just so, because these are present here now, I can't see them visually, but they're. But if they weren't here, I wouldn't be conscious. They're the the very. A kind of foundation for consciousness to operate. These uh, organs functioning properly. I don't see like asupa practices or, you know, the Pali word asupa means beautiful and asupa is a negation, not beautiful. It's uh, translated sometimes as loathing, loathsomeness of the body. And I find that word not very accurate because loathing something to me is being really averse and repelled and disgusted with it. You know, having a negative feeling towards it. Where, when we're looking at something not beautiful, doesn't mean we hate it, you know, or that we're, it sickens us. It means we're, we're in this consciousness, conscious moment, the mirror will reflect whatever, you know, the, the beauty of the lotus or the, or the muck and slime it's, it's in, it's growing in. So it's, you know, it's, and, you know, when, and they all belong, you know. It's not like, I only want lotuses in my life without the dirt. You know, so you, you can make a plastic lotus. They make lots of plastic lotuses and silk lotuses. And they're clean and they don't, you know. They're, but they are artificial things, aren't they? They're not the real thing. Even though they're, they can be just as beautiful as a real lotus, we know that they're, they're not the real thing. <clears throat> so recognize that that uh, that that this sense of, of you know this awareness isn't looking for kind of ways of deluding ourselves, living in a world of plastic lotuses, and uh, so the, and in a sterile environment, 
cut off from from the earth and many people do this you know they live their lives in flats and apartments and 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 uh, you know surrounded by that which pleases and 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 makes them feel good and get very upset when when they have to look at the the other side the muck and slime So we, you know, we, we're very good at, at deluding ourselves. And we, you know, for especially we have in a society like this one, you can live in totally an artificial environment. You know, just in with the computers and the television and central heating and, and everything. You have all the technology to create a virtual reality. That, that you can control to quite a degree. But then wisdom doesn't come from this. You know, the, if, if that's what you're doing with your life, then wisdom is not going to, to uh, arise. So wisdom then is embracing the planet. And that means everything in it, you know, the, the dirt, the slime, the frogs, the mosquitoes, the butterflies, the beautiful lotuses. <laughs> so the body, the feces, the urine, the, the uh, internal organs, the skeleton, the blood, the gut. You know, this, this uh, awareness embraces all the whole thing. You know, so it's not, it's not trying to just see myself as some, you know, through, through uh, illusions. So in the four foundations of mindfulness, there's there's a sequence there that, that has certain value uh, of the, from the Gayanupasana body, Vedananupasana feeling or sensation. Like Vedana, as I use that term, applies to, to Sukha, Tukha, Atukha, Matsukha, Vedana, which is pleasurable, painful, and neither pleasurable pleasurable nor painful. Because this realm is like this on the Vedana level, isn't it? The, the senses, the what we see, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind, the Vedana that comes through through contacting the pleasurable, the beautiful, or the painful or the ugly. And then the, this attraction and aversion. And usually atuka matsuka waiting that we don't bother with. You know, it's boring. It doesn't, if we, the more we incline towards sukha vedana, trying to find happiness all the time, you know, then the, then the ordinariness of life is, is, we don't notice because we're always, even when we're not happy, we're always looking for, 
trying to find happiness. And get away from the dukkha vedana. Now these are the two extremes, you know, we tend to, to go to, go to extremity. Seeking happiness, trying to get rid of pain. Ugliness. And, but so much of our experience here and now is neither pleasant or painful, is it? Like sitting or breathing is neither, you know, it's not particularly, not exciting or interesting in itself. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down. The ordinary movements of the body. Breathing, anapanasati is not, you know, it's not a, exciting thing to be involved with they're terribly pleasurable or painful it's rather neutral so I put that under Atuka Matsuka Vedana as you're scanning the, the sensations of the body you notice just neutral sensations are most of what you're experiencing through the body unless you're you know you're reacting to a pleasurable feeling and grasping or trying to get rid of the painful one. The Vedananupasana Satipatthana I put that in the in the exploring, investigating pleasure, pain and neutral feeling. The seeing, the, the attractiveness like now it's springtime so you, you notice the the earth is producing a lot of beauty. The daffodils and different flowers, the color coming back onto the, onto the earth again after uh, winter's uh, rest. Now in winter time here in England, everything kind of, the, the, the flowers are not present. So you have the more the subdued colors of winter. Isn't it? It's, Nothing kind of, the trees are barren, the flowers don't bloom. And so everything is, is kind of, you know, on the level of, of sight. Everything's subdued and resting and still. Not very demanding, it doesn't, wintertime doesn't make you kind of want to go out and, and, and delight in the, in all the beautiful colors and, and that. It's a, the, that's why winter's retreats in England I always like because the nature's helping. You know, it makes it, there's nothing much to do but go inwards. The spring begins and you find yourself being pulled out, looking at the, the beautiful flowers. Some people might consider winter ugly, but I don't, you know, because it, it has its own subtlety. The, the subdued colors of winter, you know, they're, they're not, they don't come out and excite them. You have to kind of look at them and notice the tree trunks and the, and the, the subdued coloring of, of the nature in the wintertime here. Once you start tuning into it, you know, it, it's more, you know, you start 
noticing and it doesn't kind of stand out and say look at me how beautiful I am you have to look at it and pay attention to it so this is also a good reflection of taking an interest taking and beginning to notice the body before it becomes when it's not happy or when it's not you're not experiencing pleasure or pain Then the Chitanupasana. Uh, so jitta is uh, uh, used synonymously with vinyana or consciousness. So you're, you're, you're noticing, you know, with consciousness and awareness then uh, awareness that through with consciousness then and then panya then you begin to to notice the way it is in terms of of uh, mental activity you know how things affect you how the the beautiful daffodils affect your your jitta or you know the the moods uh, that arise, the feelings of of happiness or security, or feelings of sadness, loneliness, or insecurity, confusion, or clarity. So then, uh, what is it that notices all this? You know, there's a strong desire, you know, in us to find a name for ourselves. So in terms of like with Theravada Buddhism they don't provide much much terminology to cling to on that level they say anatta they say nibbana uh, they say emptiness uh, things that that uh, don't you know which are realizations rather than perceptions that you can identify with you know, when I start identifying, I have no self. You know, then it it leads to a sense of um, delusion, or I shouldn't be selfish, isn't it? We can think, you know, anatta Buddhist anatta, and therefore you should get rid of self views and and not be selfish, and then try try to get rid of yourself. But that's not it. That's that's uh, grasping the concepts again. So emptiness, the shunyata, in terms of experiences, does that mean, you know, going into a trance, you know, completely blanking out into a void? Or emptiness as 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 uh, reality doesn't mean. Uh, you know, dismissing or denying anything, but receiving. So we're we're going, we're we're going to the source, rather than to a thing that we can identify with. Now this movement toward like nibbana, going to the source, 
non-attachment is like this. In the Theravada style, then, self is, is a creation, sakyaditi. So, so we begin to see that actually, you know, the, what we think we are, the selves we have, the egos that we, we're clinging to, are really, you know, they're illusions. They arise, they cease, they, they're dependent on conditions. <clears throat> so that's why on a personal and emotional level we change according to who we're with and the place we're in, time of day. Like I'm a morning, I like the morning time the best. In the evening, I'm not very, you know, I don't feel all that alert and and that uh, that's why I like to give these reflections in the morning because <laughs> I'm at my best <laughs> then uh, how things do affect you know I'm not you know that's this is what I see how, how just time or things affect conscious experience when you're with your parents, or when you're here at Amravati, or you go to Chitters, or you go to Thailand, or whatever, go to India, you know, the conditions change, don't they? The conditions around you environmentally change, if you're in the mountains, or, in the, or by the seaside. If you're with your best friend, or with somebody you don't like, uh, you know, the conditions have changed. So this awareness of this is, is you know, well, yeah, the personality, the psychedelic is very dependent on conditions. You know, you can't stabilize your personality and become the same personality uh, all the time. It's dependent on the conditions. <coughs> so that's a sakyaditi. But the, the stability lies in the, lies in the awareness. That's the, what we call the unshakable point. Where personal, personality is shakable, easily shakable. <clears throat> you know, just notice them. Before I started meditation, when I was a layman, you know, I was so, you know, you know, I could, people could just, you know, somebody could just say one word and I could feel completely depressed. You know, just how the comment of somebody, you know, would, would my personality would go from maybe feeling quite happy to being really down and hopeless, despairing, just by the way somebody would say something to me. And then, you know, somebody said something nice to me, I could feel on top of the world. <laughs> and, uh, when, you, when I went home to see my parents, you know, I had this idea, you know, of loving your parents, and gratitude and and then one time I had to spend a whole month with my mother and father 
in California and they and uh, brought up so many feelings living with them again and uh, you know I could see it brought all that karma of parents and how they you know the, how they you know they their relationship to me so easy to go back into being the child to the parent again even at that age I was 55 I found myself feeling like a child again when my parents were it wasn't kind of intentional but it was the conditions for that parent-child thing had was operating again everybody shifted into that So, and, and that's just the way it is. The, the conditions change. Uh, and um, and so the awareness is not trying to say, I shouldn't, you know, blaming my parents or myself for, for this problem, but making it into some kind of, of uh, criticism, but just recognizing how easy it is to with somebody, that, especially with parents or or uh, partners, children, whatever, how easy it is to to go back into the old habits that have never been fully consciously recognized, or being an arjan, you know, and being a head monk, so easy to to. Think of to become a kind of perpetual teacher. Ajahn Samaint, oh, I'm a Ajahn all the time. So then, whenever I relate to you, I'm always your Ajahn. And that really is annoying to people to always be forced into being my student. So these can, you know, these are things to, these are perceptions or roles that we play that are appropriate, you know, for time and place. And uh, there's nothing wrong with them, but to, to be aware of them, to be aware of time and place, Pachubhanatamma, when, when uh, it's appropriate to be Ajahn Tomato, you know, when the conditions are there for that to operate. And when it isn't, to be aware when when there's no need to to be an ajahn anymore. You know these are these are the changing conditions of of life in a monastery. So that you know we senior being senior, being a terra, being a an agarika being a siladara and so forth these uh, you know so easy to to slip into the roles and and not reflect on what we're doing so, so you know re- reflect on your your position on the on the formal level and you know the being senior junior and Siladara and Bhikkhu and so forth and 
and see these are conventional uh, conventions to be used for awareness, not uh, identities uh, to attach to, to to hold to. So that we, then we we and to do this, of course, is to trust in this awareness. You know, so you you're getting to this pure subjective, pure subjectivity, and knowing it, resting in it, trusting it totally. Because as you as you recognize it, then then it, it has it's unshakable. It has, it's not it, it it doesn't depend on conditions to sustain it. You know, so it's not a creation depending on conditions for its support. It's the ultimate foundation. That's why it's empty. It has nothing. It has no condition quality that uh, that is changeable. You get into the unconditioned. So like in some Tibetan practice they talk about being space. Make yourself into space or emptiness. And how do you do that? You know, you don't create a, a vision, you know, a concept of it, but you begin to to like space has no boundary, no definition, does it? Emptiness doesn't mean uh, annihilation, that we have to get rid of everything. You know, for me to rest in emptiness, I don't have to ask you to leave the temple. I can, I can, you know, I can be empty and you, and you're included in that. So it's, uh, and it, but it's, but if I'm caught in my personality again, then I'm, then I'm being caught up in the, in the, you're like this, you're like that. Monks, nuns, samaneras, anagarikas, and lay people, men and women, on and on like that. It becomes, you know, I start discriminating, dividing things up. But in this moment of pure subjectivity, you know, it's including, so it's not, it's not dividing anything not preferring one thing over another. So when, when I connect with the sound of silence, that's, the, that's what I'm experiencing. It's, it's, it's a kind of a sense of infinity, of boundlessness, of emptiness that includes everything, the muck and slime and the beautiful lotus all together. So it's quite ordinary, isn't it? It's not, nothing special. Tamada, the Thai word. Thai is a very nice language because it, it's, it's, it's developed out of Buddhism, so it has all these Dhamma words in it. 
of just ordinariness, tamada, tamada. This was Lung Cha's kind of mantra, is a tamada, tamada. And so it, and, and then, you know, an extreme character like mine, talking about ordinariness. I always never, I always wanted extremity. I never wanted to become an ordinary bloke, you know. I, I always saw myself as special. I kind of looked down on what I considered ordinary people. Yeah, I had a kind of snooty tendency. Oh, they're just ordinary people. I'm special. <laughs> and so identity, you know, with wanting to, with extremity. I'm specially, I'm a spiritual person. You know, I'm, I'm not like the ordinary American. I'm, I'm beyond that. And uh, I'm spiritually inclined. I have a spiritual, and that makes me special. And so even, even identifying with words like that put, put me into, into a kind of uh, arrogance and attachment to an extremity. And then in the monastic life, you know, tamanda, tamanda. And being in a Thai monastery where you're the only Western monk towering over all the other monks. Because the Thai monks were all quite short. And, uh, and so I stood out. I was special in that monastery. <laughs> you know, if, when people came, they, they noticed me. They could not notice the Thai monks because I was so special and outstanding in just appearance. And so, uh, this fed my ego. <laughs> but then the teaching wasn't, you know, of, of tomatoes special. Lungpantra wasn't into, into making anything out of it. You know, so then the reflection, uh, what is ordinariness? What is ultimate simplicity, the most ordinary possibility or reality of this moment. And this is a simple act of awareness. It's not a special thing that, that I have, you know, that you don't have, that makes me a great teacher and you just a pathetic student. You know, I'm not, you know, not like I'm, I'm a highly attained Ajahn, you know, Master of meditation. I mean, they, they use these terms for me. You know, meditation master. When I go and teach retreats, they a great meditation master. And everybody looks at me as if I'm really special, you know, above everyone else. Just because of the, the power of that perception. You know, a great meditation master. So, you know, if I attach to that, that, that is, you know, that is very dodgy to see myself in, in those terms because the, the ego, of course, ego likes that. 
But the Tamada, the ordinary point, the center point, is not, you know, I can't claim it as an attainment or as a specialty of mine. It's 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 the mo it's ultimate ordinariness. So uh, this the uh, help this helps you to reflect on on your own experience and then to to in this this empowerment. I'm trying to empower you with confidence. To uh, to trust yourself, not not don't don't create you know don't don't diminish yourself and 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 believe all your your self criticisms or or perceptions you have about yourself from the worldly mind that you have from the personality because you're not that you know, this awareness. It, this is before you ever become a person. This is, underlies everything. Even when you're being a totally impossible personality, underline that. Is this still present? And so it's, it's 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 recognizable at any moment. Even when you're in full flight of arrogance, and suddenly you have a moment and you remember the sound of silence, the presence. You begin to see this, this the the way the the mind creates yourself in in extreme perception. 